You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I used to do a segment on Mets Radio Post Games called What Did We Learn Today? In that spirit, over the weekend, we learned in the case of Jacob deGrom, a scapula can lead to your opening day start being scrapulated. In the case of Max Scherzer, we learned hamstrings can have hiccups. We learned in the case of Dom Smith, don't count your trade to the Padres before it's hatched. And in the case of every Mets fan, we learned once again, we can't have nice things. It was a crazy, turbulent weekend of Mets fandom and Metsness in general. The season begins on Thursday, and all of a sudden, things look like the aftermath of a Jerry Springer show from back in the day, with chairs flung all over the stage. We'll attempt to clean things up and restore a little order just 22 seconds from now. Mets in the morning. Mets in the morning. Oh, yeah. Mets in the morning. Gonna tell you what the Mets are doing while your coffee is brewing now. Here's Josh Lewin. Boy, David Wright shows up at spring training to spread a little sunshine, and instead everything turns to manure. You'd think the news about Jacob deGrom potentially missing a month or two would not show up on April Fool's Day. Come on, universe, you're better than that. Then again, you'd think the entire state of Florida wouldn't have been under bright red radar readings, indicating massive thunderstorms all day on Saturday. Big bad news on deGrom, small bad news on Scherzer, the highlights of a very uncool weekend tip to tail, especially if you're a uh, Duke or Villanova fan in college basketball. Josh Lewin with you. March Madness ends tonight, even though technically it's April. The Mets Madness, alas, continues. Max Scherzer, who treated everybody to a March Madness party over the weekend, has what he calls a hamstring hiccup. So he did not pitch in his simulated game Friday as expected. He is suddenly TBD to make his first regular season start. And Jacob deGrom has a stress reaction in his scapula, which is basically the shoulder blade. That one is not a hiccup. That is a John Belushi burp from Animal House. And just to frame this correctly, Michael Waka had this exact same injury not too long ago. He missed nine weeks. I'd say that's kind of a reasonable expectation for DeGrom. It's no throwing for four or five weeks now. Then it'll take four or five weeks from there to get back into shape. So see you around June 1st. Buck Showalter said of DeGrom, the sky is not falling. It's just raining right now, and I'll buy that, actually, as long as Scherzer is back by April 12th, if not April 7th, because that's why you signed Max in the first place, a backup ace in case the first one's on the fritz. Scherzer's going to make $13 million more this year than the entire 40-man roster of the A's, if you're interested in that kind of thing. Former A, Chris Bassett, is kind of the last of the Mohicans in terms of health right now in that rotation. And as per Jake, yeah, he was supposed to make his fourth opening day start, And now if uh, Scherzer's not ready, opening day could be Tyler McGill. It could be a a freaking bullpen game. Most opening day starts in baseball history, by the way. Tom Seaver, your record is safe at 16. There's a four-way tie for second place. Steve Carlton, Jack Morris, Randy, and Walter Johnson. They all have 14. We were all excited to have DeGrom make number four, which would have all been in consecutive years. But now maybe Scherzer, maybe a hodgepodge. The immediate problem for the Mets is this Jacob deGrom-sized hole in the rotation. We're not likely to see him, as we mentioned, until June 1. So that's 10 or 12 starts he's not going to make after the 20 or 22 he didn't make last year. 
And if that means DeGrom is now in that category of man if only, that's becoming a pretty thick folder regarding New York pro athletes, from uh, David Wright to Joe Namath to Bernard King, as the post's Mike Vaccaro recently pointed out. DeGrom says he still plans on opting out of his contract after this year, too. But as for right now, the primary concern is his health. The good news is this latest thing, it's not a, a ligament or an elbow tendon. Former Major League pitcher Brandon McCarthy, currently a special assistant in the Rangers front office, he had the same injury five times and really has that same ectomorphic daddy long legs body type as DeGrom. And when McCarthy tweeted on Friday, this is not a big deal. He'll be just fine. Let's hope Brandon McCarthy is correct. You go back to July of 2020, Jake has been diagnosed with 11 different ailments over 21 months. Three different stints on the IL, but still he he should have had plenty of time to recover heading into camp. That was the hope, given that he hadn't pitched since July the 7th of last year. He came in looking really strong. I mean, looked like an Abercrombie and Fitch model, just all sinewy and whatnot. So that's Jake. Got to go back to the trade that didn't happen over the weekend, too, in just a moment. One that would have made Dom Smith a San Diego Padre. The Mets did, though, make a trade yesterday. They swapped relievers with the Yankees of all teams. Last time the Mets and Yankees swapped big league players in a trade was 18 years ago. Mike Stanton and Felix Heredia swapping burrows. This time it's the fireballing Miguel Castro getting fitted for pinstripes. The Mets get Joely Rodriguez, whose key attribute is his left-handedness. 30-year-old Dominican, pitched previously with the Rangers and Phillies and overseas in Japan. First Japanese league lefty ever to throw 99 over there. You say Kikuchi never got above 98. Last year, he went from the Rangers to the Yankees as part of the Joey Gallo trade. Career 4.6 big league ERA. Good changeup, not just the plus fastball. Lefties hit 203 against him last year as a Yankee. And look, you're in a division with Matt Olson, Bryce Harper, Juan Soto. I want a lefty in my bullpen that can hold opposing lefties to 203. One lefty swinger who is still a Met, that is Dom Smith. But boy, what a crazy train he rode this past Saturday. Because the Padres and Mets have spent a couple days talking about a trade that would have sent Chris Paddock and Eric Hosmer to the Mets. Dom heading back to San Diego near his West Coast roots. And the Mets, in theory, would have flipped Hosmer somewhere else. But now that deal is in the dustbin. And it, that kind of saves some awkwardness. Hosmer, who has been subpar offensively for years now, is not worth $23 million on your payroll Remember, he's the guy that helped prevent the Mets from winning the World Series in 2015, right? Not only did he have 17 RBIs that October, he's the guy that scampered home from third in Game 5 of that World Series, allowing the Royals to tie the game as Lucas Duda's throw sailed to the backstop. Hosmer once roomed with Matt Harvey for a week in amateur ball. And yeah, he ruined Matt Harvey's chance for a win and the Mets' chance to rally in that fall classic. That's a true story. Eight years prior to all that, Hosmer and Harvey were teammates for the legendary amateur program in Midland, Ohio for a summer, and they stayed for a week together at a Holiday Inn in Farmington, New Mexico. Yada, yada, yada. Lucas Duda throws one from first base to Brooklyn that fateful Sunday night. Paddock had a 5-plus ERA last year. He's kind of a a two-pitch pitcher now. He's, He's not great anymore. Remember in 2019, he tried to make it into an Old West showdown for Rookie of the Year with Pete Alonzo. And it, even Pete put a little gas on the Dura flame after all that. He told reporters, uh, rookie of the year would be nice, but I'm trying to win a World Series. 
So I get the general appetite of the Mets front office considering a trade like they considered because they are a little starved for pitching with the DeGrom and Scherzer news. I'm glad they left well enough alone. Hosmer's contract paddock and reportedly reliever Emilio Pagan for Smith. I don't know if I love that. Dom is a well-liked player. And that Mets clubhouse just doesn't have an obvious path to playing time right now. Mets have committed to Alonzo and Cano and Davis and Canna. So if these are the dying days of Dom Smith, we should enjoy who he is. Uh, I got a snippet for you of a long getting to know you interview I did with Dom just about a week ago. Not a lot of actual baseball talk at all. I mean, because look, it's well documented last year he was... Not good. The year before, he was very good. But this is more who is Dom Smith. Let's enjoy him while he's here. I hope you enjoy this interview. All right, we are talking with Dominic David Rene Smith, man with many names. First of all, you got to explain that to me. How come you got two two middle names? Uh, are you better than us? <laughs> no, nah, not quite. Um, it was my parents. Obviously, I wasn't um, involved with my name in creating my name but um it started because my dad wanted to name me um david and my mom didn't want to go with the name david so they obviously had a a little back and forth argument and you know a lot of times it's where women always win so i heard that uh, she got her wish and got my name to be dominic and then my dad felt left out because she named me Dominic Renee Smith. So my dad still, you know, being the just the the never give up dad and always at it, staying strong. He um, he he got his at least little wish, which he I was able to attach David to my name. It wasn't my first name, but at least it's a part of my name. And he was. Not super happy, but a little bit happy. He was able to get something off to do. I see. The origin story always fascinates me. So there, there we go. Uh, your mom, I know, has been such a big part of your life, and I think there's a lot of people out there, a lot of Mets fans that can relate to that. What, what is it about having a strong mom that helps make for a strong son? Do you think? Um, I think it's just women's love um, for for just young men and women. Um, you know, they love unconditionally. And, um, you know, just just how strong women are, I think it's something that um, you can just learn from. Um, and, you know, my mom was, she was just a person that I really looked up to because, like I said, we didn't come from much, but she showed me what love, you know, we could accomplish so many things. And it's not always about material things or money. Um, you can still have happiness without having all those things. So she taught me a ton of valuable lessons that I carry with to this day. Um, the reason why I treat people the way I treat them is because of her and hmm. the respect that she showed me I need to have um, with other people. So um, I, I definitely attribute my mom for a ton of those things. And um, women all across the world, I mean, they teach um, countless young men how to be young adults. And same thing with women. So um, it, it's pretty it's pretty just cool that my mom is just great like that. And she's such a strong woman. And I'm a lover. That's, that's I, why I'm here. I love that. So uh, not full-time in L.A. anymore, I know. You've been a Fort Pierce guy. She's come out, the whole thing. But that's your roots is L.A. So let me ask you about that a little bit. When USC came calling and said, we want you, we want you to be a Trojan, that must have been so gratifying for you. You told them no, because obviously the Mets gave you a lot of money to become a Met. But that must have been a really cool thing for you to say, wow, this very prestigious university wants me there. Yeah, it was uh, It was definitely a, just a really cool 
um, just just cool experience um, with the rich history of SC, um, their baseball program, just their school. Um, if if you graduate from SC, you could get a job anywhere. Um, that's like the model there. Yeah. And, Did you come uh, close to saying yes there? Or I mean, it's kind of tough when you get drafted in the first round. Um, okay. And my parents always taught me like whatever you want to be, they're going to push me in that direction. And I told them at a young age, I wanted to be a professional baseball player. So they pushed me into that and, and they put me in certain positions to set me up to get to this position to this day. Hmm. Um, so um, when, when we did get to the opportunity, obviously the Mets uh, being as gracious as they are, they did pay for my USC tuition. Um, so I still have that whenever I retire, I can go back, um, get my college degree and finish that. So it was just a win-win opportunity for me because whatever does happen in this game, I can still go back, get my degree. But at the same time, I was able to um, expedite the process yeah. to starting my uh, professional career. So it was really cool. Like I said, uh, getting the offer experience in SC going, up there. I still go up there to this day. So um, I, I love my Trojans fight on, and uh, <laughs> no, that's, that's definitely uh, my squad. All right, now we're getting into to Chris Rock, Will Smith territory here. Hopefully it won't come to that, but uh, I did note that UCLA in football last year put uh, <clears throat> 67 points on the board uh, at USC. Will that happen again this coming fall, or do you think you guys might have a defense now? Oh, come on. You already know it's over now. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I saw 67 uh, points go got, up there. We got a new head coach. That's <laughs> all we need. And you know he about to bring the boys in, new quarterback. Oh, man. You know, that's all you need. All you need is sometimes a little fresh face, change of scenery. Okay. And uh, it's, it's not going to be hard for them to get these top top prospects in the next two years. That is true. So it's, uh, it should be... You're saying it's time. It's time for USC. Yeah, it's our time. It's our time. It's been uh, it's been too long. It's been it's been too long. I mean, so oh, many. Wait, so many. I was gonna say, you guys are always on a roller coaster. Most of my buddies, you know, from high school, Dory Jackson, Robert Woods, George Farmer, oh, like, you know, those guys really tore it up. Um, Did you know Drake London at all? Drake London, no, I didn't know him personally. That's but a guy. That's obviously, a, a a big fan, you know, yeah. of him and. Just all the boys who, who just go there and, and put on for L.A. and our city. So, no, nah, our time is now. Our time is all now. Right. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be back. We'll be back. It was a rough couple of years, though. All right, we're not going to talk basketball. Yeah, one, one, more, <laughs> one more for you here before I let you go, and it is about the L.A. sports scene, which yeah. I think people get confused. I mean, yeah. people look at L.A. fans, and all they know is, oh, they, they arrive late and they leave early, yeah. and you know, so that must not be a sports town. You were, from, from what I remember, you actually had some Angels heroes, not just Dodger heroes. You're like a, Garrett Anderson guy, a Sean Figgins guy. I mean, oh, yeah. were the Angels your, your team yeah. a little bit growing up? Oh, yeah, yeah. Tim Salmon and Adam Kennedy. And, sure. Uh, I mean, Troy Percival, Darren Erstad, Jim Bev. I mean, I could go on and on all day. So how's the guy from Compton adopt the Angels instead of Dodger Blue? It's just, uh, I mean... It just happens. I mean, I was actually, you know, Angel Stadium, if you're out in Compton, it's, it's closer to Compton no, than it's true. Yeah. Uh, the Dodgers Stadium. But I actually went to more Dodgers games when I was a kid. I think that was the reason why I was such a fan was because really? I wasn't able to go to many games. I think I only went to one Angels game my whole life. Wow. Um, so... I think that was it. Obviously, the O2 team that won it, um, you know, I just fell in love with it. I love just the way they played, the style. They had the, the, the Triple G outfield out there, right. with uh, Vladdy and Jose Guillen and, um, and um, Garrett Anderson. And it was just, it was just really, 
really cool. Just the way they played, um, the swagger they brought, and I, I just I just fell in love with them. The Dodgers, they're they're they're, they're cold. They always been good, but it's, yeah, it's like yeah, let's do something new, exactly. right? Everybody's Dodgers, exactly. What, uh, Rams guy. Big Rams fan, big right. Rams fan. Lakers Rams, guy. Was, yeah, my Lakers are they they down bad this year. Yes, but they are. We'll be all right. We'll be all right. <laughs> we'll be all right. I mean, it's a part of it, you know. LeBron, he's gonna he's gonna figure it out. You know, he's the best GM out there, so he's gonna get us going. Well said. Now, one one kind of baseball question before I let you go, uh, and it, it's really more about what you want to do when you get later in your career. Because right now, to me, you're in the sweet spot. You're healthy again. You're, I mean, super happy to be. Matt, all of that. Do you start thinking like, okay, I, I rode the rails, you know, did everything, worked my butt off to get to where I am now. Do you just enjoy that and not worry about what's in 10 or 15 years, or do you already start to think about what's what's over the mountain for you? Yeah, I mean, obviously as a human, um, those thoughts do creep into the back of your mind, and I think I do a good job with just my family and my team around me um, just to have different uh, creative things off the field to keep me busy and um, have things like that, so when I do retire um, and that day does come, which I mean, I look up, I'm like, dang, I mean, I played longer than I have left to play in my career, so it's like it's pretty interesting when you think about it, even though I'm still a young player and I still have a lot to give to this game um, it's, it's just an interesting outlook on it but um, I, I do have different things I have my nonprofit and my uh, and my organization baseball generations that um, we do a lot of different things um, giving back to the community in inner city of LA um, we're trying to do more things out just in different parts of the country we're trying to move it out to New York and do some things out here in Miami and and um, actually Houston as well so nice. um, we're, we're trying to just spread that awareness, um, get the next generation of kids to the next level, whether it be college, whether it be major league. It doesn't have to always be baseball. Uh, we just want to inspire kids and let them know that knowledge is power. And um, there's so many different ways you can have a good life or make a good living in this game of baseball without being a professional athlete. So I love that. that's something that um, we try to push. And like I said, we inspire those kids. But it, I, I've been dabbling to, to, to a bunch of different things. Like you said, it's just something that uh, that, like I said, I know uh, it's coming up pretty quickly, um, quicker than I know it. I know if I play another 10 years, it might seem like a long time, but, I mean, I've already been in pro ball for pretty much 10 years, yeah, and, it, right. and it flew by. So um, you, you definitely have to have those different ideas um, and, and just different things to just keep you motivated. And so when you do um, in your career, you just have something to do, and you're not driving yourself crazy. <laughs> by the way, BaseballGenerations.com is where you go to get more info about that organization that Dom has founded. For now, Dom, indeed, still a Met, having a very nice spring training. Pinch hit, devil off a lefty yesterday. He's hitting 409. Eduardo Escobar's third home run in that game yesterday. He's hitting around 320. Robbie Cano, four for four. He's hitting 370 now. Tomas Nito, three for four yesterday. He's hitting 455. But as for Dom, the fact that he can play left and first and he can DH, he can pinch hit, makes him a good guy to have around. Versatility is a big deal. These days, I'll have a comment on that after this. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Talking versatility, literally the only non-pitchers who will have a regular position for the Mets this year are Lindor, Alonzo, and the catchers. And all this has been evident lately as we talk about Nemo and Starling Marte in terms of who's the center fielder, who's batting leadoff. The answer is both will do both. You take a look at last year's San Francisco Giants that won the franchise record 107 games. On that team, four guys played 30 or more games at first base. Three guys played 30 or more at second base. Three guys played 30 or more at third base. And actually, two played 50 or more. Three different guys played around 200 innings or more in left field, three in center, two in right. It all worked out fine. And I mentioned Marte in his torrid week of spring training continuing Sunday. He had a double, then he's told third. I want to use that as our segue back to the Bill James 2022 handbook that I've been highlighting up these last few weeks. And I hate to do this, to get into base running. I hate to bring this guy up. But Chase Utley, when he was still active, would lead the league in almost every offbeat stat you could come up with, including all the base running numbers. The best going from first to third on a single or scoring from first on a double or whatever. He was so annoyingly good at that. And I know we'll always hate him because of the Ruben Tejada thing. But going from first to third on a single usually happens around 30% of the time. Utley was always good for 70% of the time. Miami's Jazz Chisholm led the majors last year. He did it 80% of the time. Strangely, the Nationals' Victor Robles, who I think we can all agree is very athletic, he never did it last year. He had 14 opportunities to go first to third on a single last year. He never did it one time. I like the stat that Bill James has called bases taken, which is a measurement of base running events that aren't really in the box score. Wild pitches, pass balls, sack flies, runners moving up on defensive indifference, all under the subhead of bases taken. Whit Merrifield of the Royals led the majors last year. He had 34 of them. Mark Canna had 25 of them. That's very strong. Uh, Some notes on stealing bases, because I know that's still the metric everybody looks at, even though I like bases taken better. Uh, You look at steals of second. Only one player timed out at below 3.5 seconds from his lead to the base, and that was a Mariner, Sam Haggerty, who was briefly a Met three years ago. Brandon Nimmo was around 3.7. It's the best current Met, and that was 48th best in the majors. Yeah, the Mets had no one in the top 47 in that regard. So welcome aboard Starling Marte. He will help with manufactured runs, runs that result from teams moving runners along other than by playing station to station. This was a term popularized by Tim McCarver back in the day, manufacturing runs. Any run that scores on a home run obviously is not manufactured. 
A run that scores as a result of three singles is not manufactured. But, for example, a walk, a single, a runner goes to third, then comes in on a ground ball, that is a manufactured run. That's the kind of thing the Mets have not been very good at lately. Last year, the team with the most manufactured runs was Kansas City, followed by Tampa Bay, both around 170 of them. The Mets were at 106. Only the Mariners were worse at 105. So for what it's worth, Starling Marte all by himself last year, 24 runs manufactured. That was sixth in baseball. And if you like good old-fashioned SBs, no Met has stolen even 30 bags per season in eight years. So Marte is close to vintage Jose Reyes as the Mets have had in a good long time. We'll have more from the very fertile mind of Bill James tomorrow and a chance to hear from Chris Bassett, the top remaining healthy rotation piece at this point in time. Chris in the Grapefruit League game yesterday, his final tune-up, five innings, six hits, four runs, six strikeouts. His spring training ERA ends at 3.7. We should mention Chasen Shreve, another scoreless inning in relief, a lefty reliever that will make this team for sure, you got to think, because right now in spring training, 13 batters faced, 12 of them retired. Giddy up. The Mets and the Morning House Band is playing. I can hear them in the distance, so I think we're supposed to get out of here. Let's try not to panic about DeGrom, all right? The Braves lost their best player from June on last year in Acuna, and the Braves won a World Series. And the possibility still exists that Scherzer could make that opening day start against his old club. He'd pull a 1993 Greg Maddox if he did, start on opening day against the team for which he started the previous year's opener. And here is hoping that that happens. Meantime, we thank these musicians. On keyboards, Ricky Otero. Slapping to bass was Pete Harnish. Horn section, Sean Hen. And on drums, that's Eric Volent. This is Josh Lewin. You can get me on Twitter. Feel free to find me, pass along, whatever you'd like to pass along. I'm always taking a look at that uh, Twitter thing. Well, not always, but often enough. At Josh Lewin Stuff is how to get in touch. We will talk to you again tomorrow. Peace out. See ya. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.